0: Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I'm with two very special guests. One is a teacher and a stand-up. And (laughs) she's also part of uh, Nate Jackson's Super Funny Comedy Club. Did I get it right? Is it super funny or is there no super? There's super, okay, great. And uh, the the man, the myth, the legend himself, you might have seen him on uh, Young Rock, True TV, HBO, YouTube, or seen him in person doing stand-up as well. Uh, or he also has a fuck ton of podcasts and radio shows he's done. It's uh it's my pleasure to have Kayla <laughs> J-, J Lo <laughs> and uh, Mister Nate Jackson. Hi, hell yeah! How so, you? are you guys both originally from the Seattle area or Washington?
1: I am not. Oh. Uh, no, I'm originally from Baltimore. Actually.
0: Oh, how long have you been in the Washington now?
1: Uh, about five five years, five years now, six maybe.
0: And you moved for stand-up comedy or what? Uh,
1: <laughs> no. Uh, my father's aging and he retired out here. And so my wife and I just loved it and came. Nice. Mm-hmm. So
0: do you teach more or do com- stand-up comedy more? Or
1: If I have my choice, uh, <laughs> stand-up comedy more. Uh, but I, you know, I do sort of need to maintain that day job for now. I'm brand spanking new.
0: Nice. Do you know uh, Joe Dombrowski? <laughs> no. You've never heard of Joe Dombrowski? Oh. I have. Yeah, I've had him on the. He's like a, He's one of those uh, teacher comics. Oh, so, I guess I should then, huh? Yeah, he. Uh, um,
2: he's gay too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Guys I, I need like to get him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's from here, but I haven't seen him gigging around here. Uh, I'm, I up into him at NACA. Huh. And they're like, "Yo, he's from your area." I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He, uh, interesting.
0: He's originally from Detroit. He's like oh. The Detroit circuit moved up here, and um, he he blew up because he was on. He did like a. He pranked his, I'm going to say, I'm going to butcher it. Let's just say kindergarten class. He pranked mm-hmm. his kindergarten class. No, I want to say third grade. Whatever. <laughs> right? And um, basically, he was giving them like a fake spelling bee. And he'd just say like these random words that like, choo-choo. How do you spell choo-choo? And then he just add like a U on it or something, like mess them all up. And it went viral. And then Ellen saw it and brought him on her show. Oh. And he's been on twice because of that. Huh. And that kind of like helped propel his, uh, his stand-up career.
1: Yeah, hey, definitely have to check him out. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So,
0: but and Nate, you're originally from Washington, or no?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm from Lacey.
0: Lacey, oh, that's fucking deep. Tell people that's like that's south, correct? Like that's like it's like north of Olympia. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dope. That's a uh, see, like I when you think of like Nirvana, for example, like they you think of them as like a like a Seattle-based band, but they're from Aberdeen or something. So
2: are they really? Yeah, I didn't know that.
0: So for you, I'm wondering, do you classify yourself as a Lacey comedian or a Seattle comedian?
2: If people ask me, I tell them I'm from Lacey.
0: And people know where that is?
2: Yeah, i say it's an hour south of Seattle.
0: Oh, fair enough.
2: But most people don't ask me. They just assume I'm from Seattle or I'm from Tacoma or I'm from some other city that they have already put respect on.
0: Mm, I feel that. Um, uh,
2: Even people from here are like, you're from here? Like, damn. You don't think nobody can come out of here, player?
0: (laughs) So... So with that, like your your comedy, I feel like it it caters to like the black audience, right? From like certain skits, you've been on Wild while and out, mm-hmm. um, Young Rock. I just looked up today. I didn't realize the Rock is black and Samoan. I thought it was fucking like Hawaiian or something like Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. No, the Rock is <laughs>
2: the Rock is definitely has a black dad and a, a small mom. Um, I don't know if I'd say my comedy caters to one particular race. Mm. I can't help that I get quantified in a way. I'm right. a big black guy, so maybe just people just assume I'm urban. Mm. But I do just as well in what you would call a mainstream room as I do in a non-mainstream room. But I was, I was
0: wondering with that, like, do you, coming from, like, a Seattle area,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then the most, like, because I'm from the Seattle area, too, so in the most unoffensive way I can possibly say, mm-hmm. how, how do you make, not even make sure, how is your comedy not whitewashed?
2: Whitewashed? Yeah. Because I'm not whitewashed. What comes out of me is going to be what I am. And then to make sure it's not uh, blackwashed, whatever you're calling it. Yeah, yeah, uh, Probably not say the N-word every four seconds. But just as much as I was on Wildin' Out, I was on Curb Your Enthusiasm mm-hmm. without having to be the Leon character. Yeah. So um funny's funny, man. We're all humans. We're all going through the same human experience mm-hmm. short of our, uh, you know, political alignments. What I'm talking about is funny. Regardless, I don't care if you're Republican or if you're Democrat. If Chipotle's coming out too slow, you're going to feel away.
0: Right, but that's like you a understand? mental. That's a mental note you have to like go for. Or is it just like who you are as a human? Because I feel like there definitely are comedians. I'm not even. I'm not even saying you specifically, but there are comedians that cater to like m- one race more than another or one gender more than another.
2: Yeah, there are. Um, I don't know how much of it's catering. How much of it's me just you know, I go where I'm wanted and uh just stay consistently funny. If you see me you're going to laugh. I don't care what color you are.
0: But don't like, there's like a it's probably like a small population of like black comedians in the Seattle area, right?
2: Um yeah.
0: So like growing up or I don't know when you specifically started comedy, we can get into that, but mm-hmm. like starting comedy, were you doing it in in the Seattle area?
2: No, I started in Spokane.
0: Oh shit. That's so how do you not cater to like a, I guess not cater I don't even I don't even use the word cater I don't know why I'm using it for you that much but so what what was it like because in Spokane that's predominantly like white yeah so how did you go about building up a stand stand up uh, set to like a crowds in Spokane I'll just be myself
2: white people know the words to Fifty Cent <laughs> there's <laughs> yeah. no black artist that's yeah, yeah. made it without that being who's buying all the tickets anyway yeah they get the black experience or at least they try. They get, you know what I'm saying? They're not going to ever be a part of the African diaspora and get the, the full grasp of it. But it's like, okay, we love black art. Mm. If they didn't, it wouldn't be consumed the way it is consumed.
0: Right. I'm just trying to figure out from like, a, I think comedy still, it's, it's definitely an art form, right? When I say, when I think of artists though, because for this podcast at least, it's specifically like catering towards like, fuck I swear to God I do not use (laughs) catering and I've been saying it so (laughs) I usually interview like artists when I think of artists I think of musicians okay right and um coming from a Seattle area a lot of musicians feel like they're not given a chance due to gentrification in the Seattle area like there's like a running joke and I talked to XP about it on the podcast as well that like if you don't if you're not white and don't look like a Macklemore, it's going to be harder for you to get gain success. So, and then there's like a thing where people are like, I don't know if you guys know Travis Thompson, the the artist out of. Yeah, he's yeah. been here. Dope. Mm-hmm. He, um, people, people make jokes being like, he's, he's like native American, I think. Okay. But people are like, he's white passing. So it worked for Macklemore to take him under his wing in a, in a sense. So I'm just wondering if you, if there isn't, if it is hard for like a black comedian to build up a, a presence in Seattle or if, it, if it's very different compared to uh, a, a black artist or a person of color that's an artist in Seattle trying to gain success because I, I definitely see a lot of people are using like the gentrification word
2: um, I don't know man some of that seems like just be a cop out like somebody's mm. looking for something to point at because if your shit is dope they're going to find you they found Lamore and he's here you know what I'm saying And and he was big everywhere not just where white people are and then let's say this market, who we're, we're now respected for our hoopers. right? We weren't at one point. Well, what changed? People's stats were so hot and they did so well on the next level that they're like, maybe we should go back to that area and get some more folks. Hmm. The only way to get a, a, a region on is for people to be on.
0: So, But that means you have to like excel versus there's definitely certain regions that just like Artists pop up out of nowhere, like in L.A., right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just artists, have like, they just churn out artists. So do you feel like Seattle has to excel for people to see you, no matter, like, what medium you're in then?
1: Yeah,
2: but L.A. got like that. Enough people got on, enough people were in the industry to say, hey, let's keep finding the next person and create a funnel, right? Mm. Here, it's not so much. Like, I grinded in Washington for quite some time. Like, probably... Thousands of shows with zero industry present. Then I go to L.A. and I'm around comics that are the same age as me as far as how long they've been doing comedy. And I'm better because of the reps I've had mm. outside of the purview of the industry. So then it's like, yo, he's young, but he's ready because he got so much material. Where, is, where have you been honing this? Right. I remember I met Paul Mooney and uh, he said, where are you from? I said, uh, I'm from Seattle. Despite what you said. <laughs> I said, I'm from Seattle. Actually I said, I'm from the Seattle area. And he was like, Oh, Seattle. You can get really funny in Seattle under the radar. I said, What you mean? He was like, Ain't nobody clocking for y'all up there and y'all come down here strong. It's happened time and time again. So I don't know who he's referring to. Right. But it's facts. Quincy Jones, Seattle. Bruce Lee, Seattle. Like you can master your craft here and then present it and it's ready for the masses because you got the time under your belt.
0: But isn't that like another dilemma for Seattle artists? I want to include comedians in this artist thing now, right? Mm-hmm. That you have to leave Seattle to gain success.
2: You don't have to leave Seattle anymore. Really? Yeah, the whole world's right here in your hand. I still Where are like- you going? You're talking about times when you had to physically play in atlanta in the you needed to be at the cotton club or you had to do the apollo or you had to do like that's what put you in new york or at the, you know what i'm saying that's what put you in those spaces because that's where the industry was well now they're on the phone like young travis can pop macklemore can pop right. rappers can pop uh what's the other little young uh little young light skin kid i heard oh, little, mosey. little mosey you could pop you could pop that's a soundcloud rapper ain't it yeah, so does that come just from marketing then? It comes from being dope. But there's so many dope people. I've had over... But there's t- also a lot of people who are trash, and they talk about being dope. If it's that hot, play it for everyone. Let it gain traction, and then you can pop from wherever you're at. They'll be calling you from LA. Yo, we got this guy. Yo, we got this girl. Have you heard this? You don't think the next A Aiko could be from here?
0: They probably are, but maybe they just don't know. No,
2: nah, it can come from right here, and all you have to do is make the music. Put that shit on the ground. If it's hot, it pops. Right now, you can send something to a person by clicking a paper plane in the corner, <laughs> by hitting retweet. Like, virility is a real thing. So if your shit is dope, if the concepts are good, you're good. How does Toby Inigwe come out of nowhere from the middle of Houston when there's no more Houston ar- art? Right. Rap coming out, right? There's plenty of rappers. Even the OGs are still there. How does he pop during a pandemic? By filming music videos in the local park and in his own house,
0: but it's probably marketing too. You know, I, you know I wonder. On the like, gram. I wonder how much like time and money you have to put into that. Though. Okay, but I what's
2: know. is? Do you feel like you can't market from here?
0: I don't know. That's so. I like.
2: Let me I, ask you this: Where are people spending their marketing budgets at primarily?
0: I don't think people even know the first step, and yeah. if they do, they just throw it at Instagram or something. An app. Yeah.
2: So you have stumbled across the answer. All right. So what's in Bellevue? Money. <laughs> Money from what? <laughs> apps.
0: Uh, like in
2: tech and... Tech is apps. Yeah. This is the epicenter. The only yeah. difference is where are all the a is everybody... Okay, so it's not like... you know, I was watching the Yeezus thing on Netflix. You're not just walking up in a young Rockefeller with a bunch of people who are famous now who weren't then.
0: That was hilarious.
2: Getting played... Playing their music in the office where somebody's like, uh, "Turn that camera off." Just completely <laughs> disrespected while platinum mega songs are playing in the background. Yeah, with no respect, it's not the same thing. Funny's funny. People are from here, are from everywhere. The biggest military installation in the Western Hemisphere is Three Exits South. That's soldiers from all over America. That's people that are in and out of town from all like people are in. It. It's not like we're not in Podunk. SeaTac is a major airport, Yeah, an international airport. You can reach the masses if it's not from them coming to said place. What's wrong with putting some dope shit on your phone, being consistent, and consistently being dope? Kev on stage popped out of here, and Mm -hmm. he's from Shalishan.
0: That's a crazy What What did you just say? Shalishan? It's a neighborhood neighborhood on the east side. On the east side?
2: On the east side called Chalichan. Never heard of it. It's half rental properties, half owned properties. Interesting. And um, it's not Chicago. It's not Atlanta. It's not LA. It's not where all you expect all that stuff to come from. Right. You can pop from wherever. If I showed you the people from social media who do very well or do the best, you'd be surprised where they come from.
0: Yeah. So
2: but it's, it's a cop out.
0: Do you think it's important to say where you're from though?
2: Who cares? Is your shit really? dope? It's going to be on the back of your cover photo, anyway.
0: What do you What do you think? Do you think it's important to like rep where you come from? And
1: uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. Um, I, I probably just say that because I don't live currently where I come from, so it feels yeah. important to me. Um, and I come from an area that's very diverse, mm-hmm. so for me, it feels important, you know, because it's it's different living here. Um, I do see your point about marketing for sure, but I think there might be some, I don't know, sort of miscommunication about what that means, right? Like mm-hmm. what does marketing mean to you versus a person who's popping off like Nate says, you know? I think some people do have an innate ability to understand marketing, to understand the market as a whole, who who they're marketing to, at what rate they're marketing to them and so on. And so, you know, that doesn't mean you have to hire marketers to pop off like that from anywhere in the country. You know, it could be, Yes, you have that quality content. You have that talent, but you also kind of have some business acumen. You have some hustle. You have some understanding of marketing in your market, and that's what kind of takes it from a mediocre content to something that really pops off.
0: Mm. I guess that comes from some people are just born that way, and other people need to be educated. You know what I mean? And I've like when I first started the podcast, I think it's really interesting because I feel like I understand like. How music works and the music industry works, but to like have comedians on. I've only had two, so I, I, I'm really intrigued on. Who's learning. the other one? So uh, Joe and um, uh, Monica Monica Nevi. Do you know nice. Monica Nevy? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Love She's dope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Monica. So like, the, what I'm saying is that we're not limited by geographics like we used to be. Right. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You don't have to get a green book and drive around through the South as a black artist (laughs) and play to black crowds only because it's that segregated. Like, at some point, white people started changing the channel and listening to Little Richard and Ray Charles too, right? So when it comes to marketing, if the radio call sign is what you live by and die by, then the last 10 years has been pretty rocky for you. Whereas if anybody has already pivoted in the digital space, they understand their platform is king. You have artists releasing entire projects straight to YouTube, going straight to the people, getting the people straight to their Instagram, appreciating their 40K followers and and making a living. No one's been touring for two years anyway because of Corona. Yeah. Right? So when people say like, oh, you're from that place or you're from this place, that's, that's whack. Watch the Yeezus thing on Netflix and you'll see nobody was from Chicago. Chicago had no respect on the music side of things, Ye's first crew in New York was a bunch of different people. He didn't even know in Chicago. And because of Chicago, they bonded and they all just started grinding in New York. How is that different from any other state? Right. Right. I lived in North Hollywood, California, in Hollywood, in L.A., in that scene. I've seen the people come together and band together based on their region. The Texas guys fuck with the Texas guys. The New York guys fuck with the New York guys. At the end of the day, we're all trying to get on, and sometimes it takes a team. But geographically, nobody's limited to that. If you rep your city, that's one thing. But to say that your success is limited by where you're at, I think is, I think is, uh, is, is incorrect. It used to be, yes, right. but not, as I say this at this very moment, you are limited by your amount of dopeness and consistency to post on the phone you're holding in your hand.
0: Very fair. So when would you say, how long into your career? First of all, when did you start comedy? How old were you? Uh, 20. 20. So how many years into your career that you started getting, like, any success that you felt like this was something you could take seriously, and it wasn't just you being like hitting your head against the wall.
2: Um, it depends on what you define as success. It
0: could be a, could be a, a, certain show. It could be a certain cosign. Like, what was just the first memory you have where, you're like, a glimpse of like this could be something I can take seriously. My first show, really, hmm. and that was in Spokane. You said.
2: Uh, So I was at Eastern Washington University, and I was dared to do comedy by a friend of mine. And the show that I did was a student-only comedy contest, and the entire school came. And I beat everybody but the guy that dared me. Wow. So when all of your peers are present and you rock, they're all like, maybe you should take this (laughs) stand-up serious. Like That was a real show. Like We watched the comics to school brings you in on a regular basis. It was funnier than that. You know, so um, right away felt like I was like, there's something there. Yeah. Now something worth uh, something worth the salt that my parents would respect it. That uh, is, you know, <laughs> I'm doing that instead of my degree. Yeah, that's just that's a whole other thing. But what I defined as successful is that that was fun. And uh, now I need to do some research and see if you can make a living doing that.
0: And what'd you find out?
2: That you can make a living doing this. There we go. That there's there's literally, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50 viable careers off of stand-up comedy. Dang. It's the epicenter of the entertainment industry. And I understand with somebody who interviews all musicians yeah. that you may say it's different than that, right? It's like Drumline when the guys on the tuba were like we're the heartbeat of the band and then they go to the trumpets and they're like we're the heartbeat of the band and mm-hmm. then they go to drums and they're like without us there's no pulse like yeah yeah right because one band one sound right so but it's it's different if you if you peruse or live or if you're in LA long enough you end up regularly at the comedy shows because so are the artists the music is broken and played there uh, there's a special on uh Amazon Prime called Fat Tuesdays and you'll see how close hip hop and comedy have been. Russell Simmons produces what? Music and comedy. Mm-hmm. It's a hand in hand. If he could see that hand washing the other than, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Def Comedy Jam with DJ Kid Capri. Yeah. With musical performers. And Living Color had dancers and people rapping at the end of the show. Like, this is all one culture. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. What was your uh, degree in?
2: Organizational communications with a minor in business administration.
0: Oh, shit. What do you What do you do with that? I like, I like to ask people what you can do with your degree. Me? Yeah. Or yeah. What, what, what do people, you or what do people usually do once they get that type of degree?
1: Well, you're sitting in it right now. Ooh, a comedy club.
0: By the way, we're in Nate Jackson's comic. I think we already said that. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you're at
2: Nate Jackson's super funny comedy club. The largest comedy club in Pacific Northwest history. The largest black-owned comedy club in America. So anything where you need to communicate and do good business is what you can get into with that type of degree.
0: Dope. Mm -hmm. And did you go to college? I did, yeah. Dope. What did you go to college for?
1: Uh, (laughs) My undergrad is in history, and I have a graduate degree in education. Nice. And what got you started in comedy? Oh jeez. <laughs> uh yeah, I've wanted to do comedy since I was about 12 years old. Uh when the pandemic hit uh and I wasn't sure if my groceries could kill me or not. Uh I decided I should probably do that thing I've always wanted to do. Wow. Yeah, and so I just went to an open mic and made it happen. Took a class at here with Nate Jackson, came in here and just strong arm basically strong-armed my way into an internship <laughs> <laughs> and I've been doing stuff, you know, here ever since, um, and just hitting open mics around town. Dope. Mm-hmm.
0: So around town in Tacoma or do you ever go to Seattle or how, what's that like? Um,
1: I go to Seattle on occasion. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I prefer to stay in the Tacoma area, um, as much as possible uh, as I can. I mean, mainly just, um, it just feels more like a comfortable space for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've been uh, mostly around here. I started uh, my own producing my own show. Um, recently, had one here at the club. Um, yeah.
0: So, what does it take to like produce a comedy show? Uh,
1: <laughs> hustle. <laughs> 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 um, I guess you know it's a lot of marketing too. Kind of like you said, you know, you gotta. Um, I it, the show is called Queerly Funny, and it's um, you know focuses on LGBTQ comedians in the area for right now. Right. Um, but over time, hopefully spread that across the country, have them quarterly or more often here, but, um, what it takes, uh, you know, finding talent that you, you know, is going to do well with the crowd and matching that up, um, tons of marketing. I mean, I have a Canva membership. I mean, I can't even tell you how many different videos and yeah. flyers and, you know, posting it like crazy and just telling everyone and anyone I can about it. So
0: I like to hear your, uh, experience of the comedy community in Tacoma? Do think it's tight-knit? Is it kind of uh, clicky, or how would you describe it?
1: Well, I'm fairly new, so I don't know that. I've only been doing comedy for about a year, so I don't know how much of uh, this, you know, to take stock in. But, um, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of clicky, like any community really can be. Um, what I find the most interesting about it, honestly, or the most, I guess, challenging about it really is um, just women and the role women uh, play in the comedy scene and how few women are booked on shows and how few women um, are even sometimes just showing up at open mics in general. Um, and uh, I don't know, it's just, it's interesting. It feels um, sort of like going back in time a little bit. And why
0: do you think that's the case?
1: I, I think that's a nationwide thing. I'm I mean, It's not just this area. Right. You know, if you, you look on, you know, through the comedy specials, on, you know, any of the networks you'll see that the majority of them, a large majority of them, are, um, you know, male and, and male dominated. Yeah. Mm.
0: Shit, that's crazy. I had a. I don't know if you know who Sarok is by any chance, but she's. Did I say her name? No, I think it's Saw Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a hip hop artist signed to Rhyme Sayers. She from is.
1: DC? Am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I just. Um, that's my hood. So,
0: <laughs> I am. Um, I keep saying catering and dope. Who the fuck am I? Okay. <laughs> um, she, um, that's, 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 yeah, that's awesome that you know she is. Um, she just performed in um, Seattle on um, the 17th and I had her on the podcast on the 16th and, you know, like how we're comparing like music to comedy. She said the exact same thing about like being a hip hop artist that's female and like, how everything's kind of like male dominated and it's kind of Switching a little bit, but it's still definitely present.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much why I'm here. I mean, being at Nate's, he's really provided a, a safe space or a place that feels welcoming. And he goes out of his way to try to diversify his lineup. And, um, you know, I'm producing a queer comedy show here, you know, so it's it's really been like a home for me.
0: So, Nate, I'd like to hear your experiences about the, the comedy scene here in Seattle and Tacoma. You've probably done both. And you understand, like, the Spokane scene. But specifically in Seattle, from my experience at least, is, like, Seattle's music scene and Tacoma's music scene are completely, like, separate, you know? And I was wondering if that's a similar case for Tacoma and Seattle for comedy.
2: No. Really? It's all mixed up together. There's a place called the 907. Everybody's going to be at tonight. It's right there in Renton. It's all blended up. I don't, I don't know it, Cause comedy We're gonna go We're gonna chase stages mm. You know what I'm saying We're chasing stages And uh That's the thing So uh, people People are coming from all over As far as Is it clicky and all that Yeah Only to a certain extent This so it's clicky As an opportunity Right You know what I'm saying these guys or girls can act like their best friends all they want, but as soon as NBC Bring the Funny comes to town for a showcase, you'll see everybody's true colors. Mm-hmm. So it's as clicky as, it you know, it's a dog-eat-dog kind of business. Right. I just want everybody to win. Like, you don't have to be wildly successful for this to make sense, for you to make some money, for you to have fun, for you to, you know, really, really experience what the art of stand-up comedy is and to be, be your own version of that. I want people to be successful in that sense. Right. And, uh... So there's a home for them. They can come on down here and we can all get it in.
0: Hell yeah. What, so what made you decide to create a, uh, a comedy club?
2: I've been producing shows for years and I wanted to do it where the business plan included alcohol revenue.
0: Oh, so break that down. So there's is that not included for?
2: Show promoters? Yeah. No, neither is it for nightclub promoters. They're just making money on the door. Unless they got some kind of ridiculous deal. But it doesn't like that's not a thing. It's kind of an industry standard that nobody touches the bar. The bar is that's the that's the that's where it all makes sense. Whereas everything else kinda can fluctuate. So when you have promoters come in, it makes sense, you know, it makes sense for and for for them to do something like that here. Like Jayla builds her brand, she gets massive respect, she leapfrogs other comics in the market, she develops her following. Uh, makes some money, uh, uh, works with her connections around the country in regards to uh, who she books because they'll reciprocate bookings. Uh, there's a lot of benefits to it. Then for the venue itself, it's like, okay, we had a night that would have been dark and we had asses in seats and we made some money that wasn't, wasn't a part of the original business plan. This is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday business. So when something is successful on a Tuesday a Wednesday or one of the opposite off nights, it's like that helps the bottom line. Right. And coming out of a pandemic, it matters. You know what I mean? So we put our energy where it makes the most sense to put it, and uh, you know it, it's, that's symbiotic. She benefits from it. We benefit from it. The whole community benefits from it. You build a brand. You take it all over the place. And, uh, yeah, but what makes it symbiotic is that the door goes one way or a portion of the door goes one way and then, you know, it's expensive to run a place of this size and the bar goes another way.
0: Right. So from my understanding, like there's certain comedy clubs you have to get like passed or something to like perform regularly at a club. Is that something that happens here?
2: You have to get passed at every club that that you perform at. Pass can be somebody going, she's funny, book her and they're like, all right, bet. Or they can be like, well, she has to go through our system of open mics that takes seven months, and you have to wait (laughs) 30 days between things, and you get two-minute set, then a five-minute set, then an eight-minute set, and then we might fuck with you. Right? It just depends on what a pass means. Got it. At the end of the day, none of that shit matters if you go get your ass on TV six times and you want to go up. Like, If you have a following and you can put asses in seats, clubs are going to fuck with you. All over the country.
0: What about here specifically? How do you here go too? About it?
2: Why wouldn't I? I've had DC Young Fly, Desi Banks, B Simone. These are acts that have been doing comedy less than two years, but they're sellouts. They're sellout acts, which just so happened because of my own preference for having comics that are actually funny be on stage, that they're the funniest of the internet, prof- the, the social medians that <laughs> are doing stand up comedy.
0: Right. So how do you? how do you go about booking people? Like, how does that, how does that work? Like, do you have to, do you just have to like have a cool venue or do you have to be someone also? Or how does that work?
2: Uh, it depends. Do, uh, let's t- hypothetically okay. do it. Who's the person?
0: Fucking, um, let's say you're about to have DL Healy Uh uh-huh. how, how do you, how do you go about doing something like
2: that? I call him and I say, Hey, you should come to my club. And then, He's like, I'll think about it. And then I call everybody around him, and I say, tell him to do my club. And then I call him back and say, I know you heard You come to my club. (laughs) And he says, all right, I'll come to your club.
0: What if you wanted someone like like a Dave Chappelle?
2: Then I have enough fantastic shows with D.L. Hughleys and other comics that are close to him to where I get on his radar because – Dave Chappelle was the biggest comic in the world. He could spin a globe, and wherever it stops, he could do a show. Even if that was the middle of the ocean, <laughs> yachts would pull up yeah. to see Dave Chappelle live in the Mediterranean Sea. It would still be sold out. So a comic of that size doesn't perform because they have to. A comic of that size performs because they want to. So you have to understand the sweet spot there. With a club with 280 seats... I'm much smaller than what he's capable of selling out. He sold out the Tacoma Dome. You know. Yeah. So here I am with 280 seats. (laughs) My fingers crossed. It's laughable unless he just finished doing a stand-up special and he's working on new material for the next one and he wants to work it on smaller audiences before it's at arena level. So you got to know the cycle of how people create. Stay ready. Stay doing good business. Stay in good rapport with everyone around them so that Every time your name comes up, it's, nah, I love that dude. That's a good dude. You know what I'm saying? And then Dave is so big that he surrounds himself with people who have ears everywhere. Right. So he may not be out and about and all that, but his people know what's going on. And then they call you. That's how that works.
0: Interesting. Now, Jayla, what are your goals with your comedy? Like you, you do you want to be like a Dave Chappelle where you can just spin spin, spin the globe? The globe.
2: <laughs> she's gonna be whatever she wants to be because she's got a niche. There is a wide open lane for LGBTQ plus. It's wide open, and if she jumps into that lane, she's gonna take over the country. There we go. Because she's a lot better to look at than Fortune Feimster.
1: <laughs> oh snap. I think uh, I, I love doing comedy. I definitely want to continue doing it. Um, I wouldn't say i do it for f- for fame, really. I really wouldn't. I love the laughter. I love making people laugh in the process of writing, too. Like, I love that. Um, I think in a perfect world, if I could just pick any comedy-related job in the world, it would be to write for, you know, like shows, sitcoms, movies, things like that, or punch-up things. Um, right. Just because I really love that process, and then just kind of do stand up as well, you know. But I also really oh, like. Hell,
2: I didn't know that.
1: Uh, yeah, I also really like. Um, See,
0: because that, that was a
1: male-dominated answer. You don't <laughs> let her answer. I also really love building people up. So the show that I do for queerly funny is, like he was saying, you know, is bringing exposure to these other comedians. Right. I do a lot right. of community building in the LGBTQ community. I serve on the board of a. Um, LGBTQ walk-in center here in Pierce County and called the Rainbow Center. Hey, what's a walk in center? Um it's just a center a, in, you can walk in. Yes, exactly. Nice. Um use your feet, <laughs> see what happens and you put one in front of the other and you walk in. Um and it's a center. But um but yeah, so I do a lot of community building. And so for me, that community building part is like big. So coming up with the brand and the idea and the stuff for Queerly Funny has just been It's like it fills my heart too I know that sounds corny to say But it really is true Like it fills a a void for me To like bring people together That's awesome And have them Have a space to do their comedy You know
0: So being a teacher though Do you feel like you kind of Have to be safe with your comedy In case like someone Hears it
1: No Really Uh, Really (laughs) (laughs) Yes she does
2: (laughs) There's no, there's no way she doesn't, even the loosest of canons is a little bit tighter in front of their mom in the crowd. (laughs) I
1: try not to think about it. I mean, there, there is like, there are some moral, the quote unquote moral clauses that can get you fired as a teacher. So I do worry about that sometimes, but I don't, I don't touch any content around like I try to talk about students that much or things like that. I just don't want to. I just don't go to those zones, you know. Right. If it's about my past or my life, like, if they got upset about that, then fuck them, you know.
0: Right. So how did how did you and uh, Nate build your guys' bond? Like, you could have just easily just done a show here and then never talked afterwards or whatever, you know.
1: <laughs> I don't – I can't explain this. I know I've never probably said this to Nate either, but I can't explain this, but when I came to Nate's place um, – I came, they were hiring for servers and I came in and to just see what I could do. And when I came in, um, I had been here before for an open mic and I felt, I, I, I felt the place. I felt the energy. I felt the energy of Nate. I saw Nate go up on an open mic Mm -hmm. and he did, um, just some crowd work and was talking generally about feedback and giving comedians feedback. And it, it, there was some hidden layers to kind of what he was saying. And essentially what I heard in that moment was work hard, get better. Um, don't be clicky <laughs> and support each other. And that's what I took away from that, what, what he said. And I came to the the open house for, to be hired. And I talked to the, the, the two women who, um, we're interviewing and I just said, I, I just want to be here. I want to be a part of this and I want to be a part of what Nate's building. And if I have to work here and serve, we, you know, sling drinks or whatever, I'll do any of that. And he they were like, well, you should probably talk to Nate and, you know, talk to him about interning. And he came downstairs and was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the restaurant depot. Do you want to go with me? Mm-hmm. And I got into his truck and we proceeded to go shopping at the restaurant depot. And uh, that was it. Dope. From there, yeah.
0: <laughs> I've heard you're an approachable guy. Would you Would you say you're an approachable guy? I'm just a guy, man. I'm just a guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't know. I mean, everybody's putting their pants on the same way. You know what I mean?
0: What if you have, like, one leg?
2: <laughs> I mean, I got my pants on the same way you got yours <laughs> on, right? So, like, like, you put your pants on, I put my pants on. The only difference is, after I put mine on, I do some dope ass shit on stage, (laughs) but I'm still a person. I'm still the same. You know what I mean? I'm humble as shit. I still got to wash dishes. I still got to go see my mom and be told to sit my ass down and all that. Like anyone else. So, um, you know, I've just learned over time. It's like, what's the point of being that? What's the point of being like that? Might as well be approachable. Be cool. You know. But people also need to be mindful of that approachableness and the humbleness that that is that like don't abuse that as well. You know what I'm saying? But right. you know, here I am, reachable, touchable while I'm allowing that. Yeah. And 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 it's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: So how did you get involved with like the artist community and like you like connected with like X P or anything like that? How'd that come to be?
2: Uh me and X P went to the same church as kids. Oh. Mhm. Very nice. Yeah.
0: 'Cause he but he, he moved How old old were you then? Because I didn't he, he lived, uh, I'm blanking where he grew up. He might do Detroit. He grew up in Detroit also. Mm -hmm. And then he moved here at like a young
2: age. To like Olympia. Yeah. Yeah. Because he went to Black Hills. But New Life Baptist Church is the biggest black church in South Puget Sound. And it's like the only, it's not the only one, but it's the biggest one. And so we grew up in the same church, singing in the same choir, you know, knowing all the same.
0: Well, you did choir?
2: Yeah, I'm a tenor for life.
0: Tenor for life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You should see him sing. Hilarious. <laughs> I could, uh I can imagine you because I want I want have like a dream of like like Buster Rhymes dropped that album. Fuck, he just dropped it like last year. What was it called?
2: Buster Rhymes dropped the album last year. I know,
1: right? I was like, what? Really? Can I Google it? <laughs> <laughs> he
0: had uh, Chris Rock like, narrate the entire album. Mm-hmm. It was wild. So, I, I feel like that would be so cool to, like, see more we comedians. We had comics that
2: were doing, doing interludes forever. Yeah, that's Forever. True. I mean, Ricky Harris is all over Dr. Dre's albums. Yeah. Um, you know, just W, Boo, Boom B, baby. You know, all, like, no, that's Pete Popo. But, like, um, <laughs> DJ Easy <laughs> Dick, right? Yeah. That's Ricky Harris. Or um, Scruncho is all over uh, Dr. Dre's album. And like comics have been on stuff. Tracy Morgan is on things. Cat Williams is 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 on things. Like uh, Tiffany Haddish is on things. Leslie Jones is on on things. Like it's not out of the ordinary for a musician to say, "Hey, ah. brighten up the different like the the audio, the audio. Like I want you to brighten up the audio experience." Put Joe Sprinkle on it. Like comics have been doing interludes and skits on. Have you done any yet? Yeah, I've done like five or six. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: With what artists? Like local or um, L.A. or
2: what? Marcel Hatter. I can't remember. Sky Hatter. There's that. Um, I've, I mean, I've done music too.
0: Oh, is that, and people can find it?
2: Yeah, you can look up the Cookie Monster remix. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Why did
1: I not know this? I need to. You didn't know that? No, I need to mark this down right now. I need to text Monster myself.
2: <laughs> yeah, the Cookie Monster remix. You want to play it?
1: Hell yeah. All right. I definitely want to hear this.
2: You haven't heard it? No, I don't know how this
1: has, has occurred. Like, how have I been here and you not played this for me? Um, I don't know.
2: I got to pull it up. I'm on iTunes. Anywhere else you find your music. Hell yeah. Trying to find my song. <laughs> here it is. The Cookie Monster remix. seeing you cuz i'm home alone i want that cool kid i want it my way i want that cool kid look give me that cool i want that cool i want that cool mm-hmm. my way i ain't talking about no cookie dog cookie. Talking slow-mo in that pussy hole. You know, looking for her everywhere. where she go?
0: I definitely feel like I need a <laughs> snickerdoodle right now. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> That's crazy. How How did you get too short on that?
2: I was asking to be on a song.
0: So you got some connects out here. I don't know. Have you heard um his song with Mike Epps, Me and Your Mama?
2: Yeah, he played it for me. Oh, shit. Yeah, he said... uh what do you say? Something, something, something. Come check this. Your mama asked bigger than the state of Texas or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he too short is somebody who understands the wave. He's somebody who's always been in comedy clubs, always hanging out at comedy shows. If you watch Fat Tuesdays, he's all over it every Tuesday night. Yeah. When I had a Tuesday night, the comedy story was always there. He's always had his ear to the ground, and he understood that comedians were having success in the music space from – Jamie Fox to Lil Duval. I mean, these are people with number one songs. Yeah. And their main profession is telling jokes. Um, and so, you know, I guess when I asked him, it was the perfect storm because he was like, Yep. And so once it started coming together, then Texas Legend Zero said, Yeah, I'll get on it too. <laughs> and so, you know, one of the hardest rappers ever out of out of out of Texas, H Town, Most City Don. Eight zero's on my track too So There's that And um That's how you make some music
0: I guess people want to know When the XP Song's coming out
2: <laughs> We were supposed to work together I was going to be in the Peacocking video At some point and oh, yeah. then And then he like Decided to do it barefooted In a loft in Seattle Without me Sheesh. XP No that's XP's my guy Like that's my man Tim Grant So uh, I'm sure there'll be more If there's a Rico Blue 1984 Then we can do a maroon uh monster 626 <laughs> together you know yeah so um which by the way is the name of his album regal blues 1984 so if you're gonna listen to good music gotta hear fuck with xp
0: yeah hell yeah well i have like a couple more questions let's wrap this one up though. So i really appreciate your time by the way cool this is a dope venue and um, Thank you. It's just congratulations. You know, that's probably random as fuck for someone to just say congrats and not even know you, but congrats.
2: I don't mind. You know? I mean, it, uh, thank you for, <laughs> for appreciating me. A lot of hard work, time, and effort has gone into it, you know? And um, I don't say much. I just try to do it and show it that way, you know? So, I, you know, I don't mind. I like doing podcasts and things because it's like some of the questions lead. You feel like an onion a little. You yeah. Know, you peel back a layer and find something. I mean, you just found... A whole ass song with, <laughs> with two <laughs> legends on it, <laughs> and my ass singing as hard as I could. So, you know, I'm I'm just thankful for um, you know, you saying, man, let me get down here and get let me get with him on an interview. Of
0: So, a question I have for you mm-hmm. is: for uh, anyone in entertainment that wants to take the route of getting on TV, how would you go about that? Or like, what are some of the steps you took?
2: Uh I networked. I took classes.
0: Like acting classes?
2: Yeah. Like I'm fully trained through Leslie Conn's Acting Institute in Hollywood. From the rooter to the tutor, I ran the whole gamut of that. Took some Second City for improv, and then uh, hopefully you have some talent, some innate ability to actually act, and if not, you're willing to do the work to learn and see and, again... The phone, the world is at your fingertips. Like, if you want to learn how to, then just type it into YouTube and let somebody teach it, or take a master class, or hell, just take a class. There's someone sharing the information they learned. Be a sponge, soak up the game, and then see how you can apply it to your own personal situation. All of your questions are on there. Yeah. If you start shooting stuff to make yourself look good, then you just made your own reel. Once you have a reel then you can look up where to send it to get representation to then be in the loop on auditions. Then you can start auditioning. If you don't know how to audition, you can even look that up. Hmm. There'll be someone showing you where to stand, how to film it, what to say, then how to act. Then send it in. Once you book something, you can ask, what do you do once you book something? And there's somebody (laughs) saying... Here's what you do when you book something like, yeah, you're w- what you want to do is not something that isn't already been laid by somebody in front of you. The path you're talking about is actually well walked on. It just may not have been someone you personally know in your personal circle or even from your own market like that. But it's there. It's done. Mm-hmm. So um, stop making excuses and get online and know that the world's at your fingertips both ways.
0: Hell yeah. That was perfect. And uh, is there anything you want to promote?
2: Uh, Yeah. Please go to superfunnycomedyclub.com and check out our lineups. We have massive shows here. And we have shows that are a little bit more on the local tip, too. So you can come get your flavor. Uh, We have it all from uh, uh, LGBTQ plus friendly shows (laughs) to hood shows to weed shows to uh, mainstream shows to international headliners on the weekends. So check it out, you know, and I don't know when you guys will be listening to this, but I'm excited that we just had D.L. Hughley, a king of comedy. And then we have Tony Rock this weekend, Tony Baker or the weekend after that. Then we have uh, Marlon Wayans the weekend after that. So we have some exciting uh, household name uh, comics, big, giant headliners that have no business really coming to this market. If there wasn't something like this that existed, I'm thankful for that.
0: And we're thankful for you.
2: Thank you. Yes. I'm thankful for Jayla Wechi. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs>
1: I'm thankful for you, Nate Jackson.
0: <laughs> and let me move the camera over to Jayla. Nope, and they just got to can... hear her voice on the, <laughs> the
2: camera that was sharing between Jayla and True. I, true. It took a poop. It's done. There, <laughs> there she is. So.
0: so, what is some advice that you have, Jayla, for any
1: upcoming artists, creators, influencers, comedians? Uh, I mean, again, I'm new, so I always feel like a, you know, a little bit of an imposter, but honestly, all I can say, I feel like this is a life lesson in general from everything that I've succeeded in or tried to is just being open to learning and just learn, 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 and being open to feedback is as part of that learning. I mean, you can take the feedback or not take the feedback, but take the feedback and, you know, learn from it, learn from everything, from the failures, from the successes, learn, 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 learn.
0: And uh, what is the easiest way for people to reach you?
1: Uh, um, they can follow me on my Instagram at Jayla Wejje Comedy, which is J A Y L A W A T J E Comedy, uh, <laughs> or um, I also have uh, Queerly Funny, which is um, just like it sounds. And there's a Queerly Funny uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube channel, all of the above.
0: Hell yeah. And Nate, you have? Do you have pod, any podcasts you want to promote? You have like how many podcasts have you done and radio shows have you? Because it seems like you've tried, you've created a few.
2: Uh, there's a Nate Jackson radio show, which is kind of ongoing thing. It's on hiatus right now, but it's lit. So there's tons of content there. Uh, I used to do them by myself, then I did them with a bunch of people. Then I did them like interviews. It's just. Just a lot of great content there. There's a super funny comedy club podcast. There is a few other podcasts that are f- that were done here. Hot Apple Cipher is one of them. Uh Russian Zapata show is one of them. There's another one I don't know the title of off the top of my head, but it's like about sex. Um, that this this beautiful young lady <laughs> does the show and I'd be trying not to be here when she records. <laughs> She'd be talking about some stuff. I'm like, Whew. This is a I- she should have called the show hot and bothered because she's going in. <laughs> Anyway, so we have a full podcast network. We're working with Anchor.fm or uh, Anchor.com, I should say. And uh, there's a full podcast network, the Nate Jackson podcast network, where we produce shows for people, providing engineers and the space and uh, the cameras. We uh, added one to his mix, but we have three of our own uh, that we regularly use. So check out the podcast there. In general, just check me out at Mr. Nate Jackson on the Gram And if you're uh, while you're on the gram, if you still want to mess with the comedy club, it's Super Funny Comedy Club at Super Funny Comedy Club or at Mr. Nate Jackson.
0: Hell yeah. This has been the Nate. Oh, my God. I almost said Nate. This has been the NAS podcast with Jay Loichi and Nate Jackson. And we did it.